our patriotism and I, I guess our national identity too are, are big parts of our culture today. I mean, it's something that, that, that we take pride in. As a matter of fact, if, if we go to other countries, it's sort of the way we identify ourselves. Maybe we say something like, oh, you know, I'm an American. And we say that with pride. We have pride or we are proud of being Americans. And, uh, you know, we're even more proud if we are from Texas, because that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Uh, as a matter of fact, you go to another country, and, and no one really cares if you're, like, from Minnesota. No offense to anyone from Minnesota. Uh, but if you're from Texas, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. You know, people want to have a conversation with you about that. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but that's just the way it is. So uh, our national identity is a big part of our culture today. But this isn't a new thing by any means. That sort of national identity was also present in the ancient world. Uh, we see this uh, in New Testament times regarding Rome. Uh, people were proud to be Romans because if you were a citizen of Rome, that brought like special benefits along with it. So people wanted you to know that they were Romans in the ancient world. This is how the Philippians were. The Philippians, they were, they were Romans and they were proud Romans. As a matter of fact, Philippi was a Roman colony where uh, a majority of their citizens were, were retired soldiers. So soldiers would retire from the Roman army. They would go and live in Philippi. So you can see how those people were very patriotic and they were very proud of being Romans. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 16, Paul is in Philippi, and one of the things that they say whenever they're criticizing Paul is they say that we are Romans, and they're very emphatic about that. So the, 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 the Philippians, they had that mentality, that national identity of we are Romans. That was big throughout uh, the centuries. But as the people of God, as God's people, there is more to us than just our national identity. Paul highlights this in the book of Philippians. Go ahead and open up your Bible, book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. And in this context, uh, Paul is, again, he's talking to a people very patriotic, very proud to be Romans. And he, he, he tells them something important. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul tells these very patriotic people, your citizenship is in heaven. Essentially what he's telling them is, look, you guys may be Romans, but first and foremost, you are members of the kingdom. Well, that's true of us too. We are also kingdom citizens, and our relationship with the kingdom is something that we need to understand because it's a concept that we see just throughout Scripture. We even see it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, we see this vision of a kingdom that will last forever, a kingdom that will not fall. When we move to the New Testament and read the words of Jesus, we see kingdom language just littered throughout his speech. He talks frequently about it, whether it's in parables or it's in sermons. Jesus talks about this idea of the kingdom, and it's because it's an important concept. It is something that is foundational to our faith. We've got to understand this. So this is what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about man and God's kingdom. And in order to do this, we're going to spend our time in Luke chapter 14. That's where we're going to be. Go ahead and turn over there, Luke chapter 14. And in this context, 
we see one of Jesus' parables. And this is a parable uh, about the kingdom and about man's relationship to that kingdom. So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to take a deep dive into this, in this parable in Luke 14, starting in verse 15. We're going to take a deep dive into that parable and learn three things uh, that we can take home about man and God's kingdom. So let's jump into the text, uh, Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 15. It says, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. And the slave said, master, what you have commanded has been done and there still is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my dinner. So here in this parable, we learn some things about man and God's kingdom. And the first thing that we learn is actually found in the first couple of verses. Let's read those again, verses 15 and 16. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man was giving a, or excuse me, but he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. Well, the first thing we see about uh, this kingdom and man's relationship to it is, is that many people, many people want to be a part of the kingdom. That's what we see. In verse 15, we're introduced to this guy and he says, blessed are those who eat bread in the kingdom. He wanted to be a part of the kingdom. And then in verse 16, we see that the head of the household, the master, invites many people. Well, many people want to be a part of God's kingdom. And that's not surprising. That's not surprising at all. We see that throughout the, the Gospels. Uh, the Gospel of John highlights this in particular. Let's go over to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John chapter 1. And in this context, we see that the Jews... The Jews during the New Testament times, they were looking forward to something. John chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says, This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him the priest and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Jumping down to verse 25, it says, They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So we see from this context that the Jews, they are looking forward to someone. Who are they looking forward to? Well, they're looking forward to the Christ, right? And why? Why are they looking forward to this Christ? Well, because the Christ is going to bring this new kingdom. The Christ is going to pull them from under the, the Roman thumb. That's what they're hoping for. So we see that these Jews... They are looking forward to the kingdom. But that's not all. The Jews aren't the only ones who are looking forward to the kingdom. Let's go over to chapter 4 of John. John chapter 4, in this context, we see the uh, Samaritan woman. 
the woman at the well who meets with Jesus and eventually uh, is converted and converts many uh, others also. Uh, Starting in verse 25 of John chapter 4, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So even the Samaritans, they are looking forward to this Christ coming because Christ is going to bring the kingdom. So many Jews wanted to be a part of this kingdom. But that's not surprising because many people today want to be a part of Christ's kingdom. And I think that's why uh, Christianity is the largest religion in the United States. I mean, well, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. And there are reasons behind this. It's because uh, the kingdom offers some benefits. There are benefits to being a part of God's kingdom. For instance, uh, those in the kingdom have an eternal purpose. We know why we are here. We know why we're on the earth. We're here so that we can serve God and do his will. We have a purpose. Well, the atheists don't have that purpose. According to them, mankind is just an accident. You're just here because you're here. There's no ultimate motive. So a benefit of the kingdom is that we have an eternal purpose. Another benefit is that we have in the kingdom an eternal destiny. When this life is over, well, it's not really over. We have eternal life to look forward to with our king. And the atheists don't have this. According to them, when life is over, well, that's the end of the game. Life is just over. So there's no questioning why people want to be in the kingdom. People want to be in the kingdom because the kingdom offers us true life and true happiness. And if we think even the atheist wants to be a part of the kingdom because they want the blessings that the kingdom brings. The atheist wants true happiness, but the fact is we live in a fallen world. And the only way you get true happiness is if you're part of God's kingdom and you get that in eternity. Even the atheist wants true and eternal peace. But again, we live in a fallen world where we don't have eternal peace. The citizens of the kingdom get eternal peace in eternity. So many people, even those who don't believe in religion, many people want the kingdom and the benefits that it brings. But that's not all that we see here in this parable of Luke chapter 14. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14, and uh, we'll pick up reading from verse 17. In verse 17, it says, and at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I cannot come. See, women, just get you into trouble. I'm kidding. I'm going to be in trouble whenever I leave. My wife is great, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Verse 20, uh, another one said, I've married a wife, and for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave uh, came back and reported all of this to his master. So we see that even though many people want to be a part of the kingdom, well, many people are not ready for the kingdom. You know, when in this parable, when the banquet is ready, when the food is ready, the people are not. And why aren't they ready? Well, they're not ready because they have other priorities. 
the kingdom wasn't a high priority uh, on their list. For one person, it was their land. The land was more important than the kingdom. For another person, it was the oxen. The oxen was more important. For another person, it was their spouse. Their spouse was more important than the kingdom. You see, they had other things in their lives that were just more important than doing God's will, that were more important than serving the king. And really what these people were missing is they were missing a quality that is necessary for kingdom citizens. They were missing a quality that every kingdom citizen must have. You know what quality I'm talking about? This quality is found in Luke chapter 18. Let's just go over a couple of chapters. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15, and we see a quality that people of God have to have. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 15, it says, And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking him. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. So we see here that there is a a quality that children have that we all must have if we're going to enter the kingdom. And what's that quality? What is this quality that Jesus is talking about here in verses 15 through 17 or so? Well, some people might say that this quality is, is, is purity. And I think that's true. We've got to be pure to enter the kingdom, and we have to be innocent like children are. But I don't know if that's what Jesus is talking about in this context. And the context helps us out, by the way. The context helps us to see the quality that these children have. So let's look at the context. First of all, let's look, uh, start in verse 9 and just read down here to verse 14. It says, And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with content. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was unwilling even to lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In this verse, we see two people. We see a Pharisee. We see a tax collector. And the Pharisee is very prideful. Pharisee believed that he didn't need anyone. As a matter of fact, in verse 9, we sort of see the attitude of this Pharisee. Uh, He told the parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That was the the attitude of the Pharisee. But in contrast, this tax collector, very humble, understands that he needed to be saved. Well, this helps us to understand what uh, Jesus is talking about in verses 15 through 17. But also, starting in verse 18, verse 18 and following helps us also. In this context, we see the rich young ruler. It says, a ruler questioned him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for those who are wealthy 
to enter the kingdom of God. Well, we see a similar attitude uh, with this rich young ruler and the, the Pharisee. The Pharisee trusted in himself, and this rich young ruler trusted in his wealth. See, they didn't trust in God. They felt like they didn't need God. And that's the quality. What is this quality that children have? Well, they're humble. They recognize that they need someone else. As a matter of fact, children recognize that they need their parents. When kids are hungry, well, they go to mom. When kids, you know, hurt themselves, you know, fall on their knee or whatever, well, they go to mom. When kids need anything at all, really, well, they go to mom. Because kids recognize that they need someone else. That's a quality that we've got to have in the kingdom. Kingdom citizens recognize that we need our king. And the people in Luke chapter 14 didn't see that. The people, the initial, I guess, invitees in Luke chapter 14, they didn't see that they needed something else. Uh, the man who, who, who went to take care of his land, well, he needed to take care of his land more than he needed the kingdom. The man who went to look after his oxen, he needed to look after his oxen more than he needed the kingdom. The man who uh, went to spend time with his wife, well, he needed his spouse more than he needed the kingdom. You see, these people here in Luke chapter 14 weren't ready. Well, because their priorities were all out of whack. But there are people in our culture who aren't ready also. Like the people in Luke 14, they don't believe that they truly need God. Because if we believe that we truly need God, we wouldn't make up excuses uh, to miss services. We wouldn't make up excuses why we don't need to be worshiping our Lord. If we understood that we needed the Lord, we would be here. If we truly believed that we needed our king, we give up anything for him. Maybe that's a hobby. Maybe that's an unscriptural marriage. Maybe that's a girlfriend or boyfriend. But we would give up anything because we need our king. It's all about priorities. See, many people want to be in the kingdom, but many are not ready. And that's another lesson that we see here in Luke chapter 14. But let's go back. There's another lesson for us to learn about man and his relationship to the kingdom. Luke chapter 14, we're going to pick up here in verse 21. It says, And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done, and there still is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along all the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my dinner. On the previous points, we notice that many people want the kingdom. We notice that even though many people want the kingdom, they're not ready. So what's the response? Well, God, many people, excuse me, will be replaced. If you could go ahead and push that slide over one for me. Thank you. Many people will be replaced. And there are a couple of things that we've got to notice in this point. Uh, first of all, these people were replaced by people who knew that they needed the kingdom. You know, these people were replaced by, what does it say in verse 21? It says they were replaced by the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These were the people who knew they needed the food. They were the needy. They knew they had a need, and the master of the banquet could fulfill that need for them. These people 
understood that. It's like Dustin said in his, in his talk uh, for the Lord's Supper. Christ is the only kind of warrior that we need. That's something we've got to recognize. You know, it, it reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, let's go there. We're going to pick up reading in verse 10. Matthew chapter 9, and picking up in verse 10, it says, Then it happened as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus calls people who know that they have a need, who know that they are sinners and need help. So that's one thing we have to notice about this last point here, that the people are going to be replaced. Well, they're replaced by people who know that they need the kingdom. Another thing we need to notice is that God didn't exclude these people. These people didn't try and come into the door and and the master just kicked them out. Rather, these people excluded themselves. The door was open and they just didn't accept the invite. Same is true of us. The door is open. We got to walk through the door. And one more thing we need to notice about this last point here. Um, The banquet moved on without them. The banquet was not canceled because these people refused to show up. The banquet moved on. And that's an important lesson for us. Uh, God is not going to wait forever. Our Lord is going to return. And he's going to return whether we have repented or not. The banquet comes no matter what. You got to understand this. But so what? Let's apply this to our lives. Let's ask a couple of questions of ourselves. Do we realize that we need God? The answer to that question is yes, by the way. We need our God. Have we accepted God's invitation? The door is open. God isn't kicking anyone out. We just have to walk through the door. That's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we answer these questions correctly, because if we don't, we'll end up in the same boat as the original invitees. We'll end up replaced. And that's not where we want to be, because the kingdom, God's kingdom, is where we want to be. You know, it's great that we're Americans. It's great that we're Texans. That's pretty cool. But do you know what's better than that? Oh, being a part of God's kingdom. That's what we need. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's not a part of that kingdom. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's not a part of God's kingdom, but you understand that the door is wide open and you want to walk through that door so that you can be ready for eternity. Well, we'd love to help you out with that. Uh, Romans talks about putting on the new man, how we're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. If you want to walk through that door, we can help you. Or maybe there's someone else who, who's left the Lord, but you want to come back to him. Well, we'd love to help you with that also right now as we stand and as we sing.